Hey y'all, welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, as always, Jack Vita. Uh, we have a very fun episode in store for you all today. Last week, we caught up with Brad Culpepper, nine-year NFL defensive tackle. He also competed on Survivor. And today, we have a guest with a bit of a similar story. He spent nine years in the National Football League, and then he took his talents to reality television. If you guys enjoy our episode today, make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. But for now, I want to welcome in former Eagle, former Jaguar, former Patriot, former Lion, former Saint, uh, former XFL uh, Team 9 member, Clay Harbor, welcome to the show. Uh, appreciate it for having me, Jack. Uh, happy to be here and uh, and talk some uh, ball with you here today. Hey, did I did I nail that intro? Did I miss any other teams you played on? Uh, I mean, Missouri State University Bear, High School Trojan, the White Redbird. I mean, you, you pretty much hit it all, man. <laughs> so you played at uh, Missouri State, and. I went to Valparaiso, actually. So I think they were both in the Summit League at the time when you were playing. Actually, no, we were uh, we were a Missouri Valley uh, football conference. Oh, uh, well, Missouri Valley conference. Obviously, we're we're in the Missouri Valley basketball, Missouri Valley football. Missouri Valley uh, basketball is a little bit more um, well known, I'd say, than the Missouri Valley football. At least it was. You know, we have some uh, some good players in the league these days. Um, Carson Wentz, Dallas Goddard. Um, most of them from North Dakota State, obviously, but you know we got some uh, we got some players out there from the from the Missouri Valley. Well, I know that were they were they in the Summit League for basketball at the time or other sports. When I was there. No. Oh, okay. When I, I was, but I I also graduated back in um, two thousand nine, two thousand eight. Okay, so it may have been a little. I I thought they were in the Summit League at one point, but I know that now they're in the Missouri Valley, as is Valpo. Valpo. Oh, okay. Valpo is not for football. Valpo is one of 10 uh, Division I teams that puts zero money into their program and has a non-scholarship football team. So if our teams met, you guys would have absolutely killed us. Uh, we weren't very good, but I appreciate the uh, you saying that. So. <laughs> but basketball, I mean, it'd be interesting for basketball. Both teams are pretty competitive. I don't know if you keep up with the Valley at all. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I the Valley man, they've just lost so many of their good teams to other conferences. Back when I was there, you know, you had the Creighton, the Wichita State. You know, now we get we still got Bradley, Missouri State. Now we got Loyola Chicago, but we we had a lot of uh, a lot of good teams. You know, um, Evansville that that really moved to different conferences. Yeah, and Loyola Chicago's leaving soon too. <laughs> Are they? I yeah, mean, I think they're going eight ten. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunate because it, it's tough. Because I mean, I lo I love the valley, but every it's basically a stepping stone for a lot of these teams to come to the valley. They show they're competitive in the valley, and they go and end up going to a bigger conference. Now, Clay, I know that when you were at Missouri State, you switched your position. You came in as a wide receiver, and you moved over to tight end. Is that correct? Yep, I came in as a wide out. I was a skinny, two hundred pound uh, wide receiver, and um, well, that's actually a decent size for a receiver. But uh, I gained uh, 50, 52 pounds in college. And um, by the time I was done in college, I, uh, I um, you know, it was a tight end and I was 252. So that was my combine weight. And um, I always thought that was funny. It was actually like 198 pounds. So I gained 54 pounds in, uh, in college. 
<laughs> well, in other words, you'd have an easy time stuffing me as a five foot ten, one hundred seventy pound guy. You'd be, have an easy time stuffing me in a locker if you. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, uh, I was never that guy though. I was always, <laughs> always nice to everybody. You know. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure you, that's the truth, Clay. You're a good guy. Okay, so uh, I know you watched a lot of NFL this weekend. And uh, I, I guess I'm curious, where would you like to start? And uh, actually, I'll start with this. Who's your team? I mean, I know you played on a lot of teams. You grew up in Illinois. What team or teams are you typically rooting for on Sundays? Okay, well, there's three teams that I typically watch. I mean, I watch more than that. I like all the games. Um, I feel like I have a lot of connections in the league. And um, But my three main teams, I would say, is I grew up a huge Bears fan. My dad was a Bears fan, is a Bears fan. My, my, my whole family, my brother, everybody, we were all Bears fans being from Illinois. So I, w- I love to watch the Bears just because that's the team I grew up with and my family and everybody. But obviously the Bears um, aren't that good this year. I like to watch the Eagles since I played there for uh, four years. And the Birds and our actual team in the playoffs, I've been watching a lot more of the Birds, and that's typically a team that I watch. And the Jaguars, played in Jacksonville for three years. I like the Jaguars a lot, but, I mean, they're, they're just in a tough spot. And, you know, they haven't won many games, but – I like all teams. Like I watched the Chiefs because, you know, Coach Reed was the coach who, who drafted me. You know, I like Coach Reed. I watch, um, you know, I played with the Patriots for a while. A lot of the guys were still there. So I like watching the Patriots. I feel a connection there. Um, the Saints, a lot of the guys I was there with, still, so I still feel a connection there. But um, if there's a good game on, I like to watch it. Well, the Bears actually had a good one yesterday. Yeah, wow, man. Um I don't know if you sports bet, but I, I did a dumb move in, in the sports. <laughs> I took the Bears money line, and when they were getting trounced, I got out of the bet. You know, you can you can um, cash yeah. out. And then um, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm watching it. I'm like, there's no way they win this game. They end up coming back and winning the game. And that was uh, – they were a huge underdog, so that would have been a nice, uh, a nice <laughs> little win there for me. But it was good to see Nick Foles. You know, Nick Foles was a, uh, was a good buddy of mine back in my Philly days. He was one of my favorite players there in um, Philadelphia. And uh, it's, always good. it's always good to see him get an opportunity. And when he got named a starter, you know, people were clowning me on Twitter. I, I, I said, I'm so glad to see Nick Foles get another start. There's no harder worker in the game. And I, honestly, I think that – He's a good quarterback. I mean, I know he's not going to do anything crazy, but I think if you have a good defense, you have a good run game, you know, Nick Foles can um, can do some good things with you. I know in Jacksonville he had a tough time, and then, you know, he, he did win that Super Bowl in Philly and had some really good numbers. So if you look at his, uh, his career numbers, he's got, you know, 90 rating, a lot more touchdowns, interceptions. I think he's a guy that can still play football in this league, and I'm hoping yesterday proved that. There's a lot of teams out there, if you see, looking for a decent quarterback. Would love to have Nick Foles um, play for him. So uh, I'm glad he got that opportunity and hope that uh, it will lead to a long, longer career. Now the Bears, of course, get the victory. Long road trip all the way out to Seattle. I think it was 25-24. They went for two at the end of the game. Uh, and they ended up winning a game in the snow. It was it was honestly like, I don't say this often when I watch the Bears, but this was a really fun game to watch. And I truly, you know, I'm, a, I'm actually a Steelers fan, even though I live here in Chicago. Um, but I do watch most Bears games, maybe not every single game, but I watch 
most of their games, almost all of their games with my family. And Clay, I got to tell you, I thought that yesterday was the best that their offense looked all season. Okay, I'm I'm going to say a couple things and I don't I'm not saying that this can't change, but I think I think Justin Fields is not very good right now. I'm not saying that can't change, but watching him I guy, agree with you by the way. He's not good at all. And I know people in Chicago don't want to hear that, but right now Justin Fields is a bad quarterback. He's not reading the ball. He's late on his throws. He's not making his progressions. He's very athletic. Can make up with some some things doing that, but it's basically like you have a running back back there. And I mean, it's tough for a team when when you have no threat of a consistent passing game. You know, we we got a good running game. I think we got one of the best. The Bears got one of the best running backs in the league. You know, I've said it before, and I'll I'll say that again. You know, I think that good running game. And if you've got a, a decent passing game, I know it didn't work early on in the season, but Hey, I, I think that the team looked good. And I thought, I think that it's unfortunate that, that they uh, play game like this late, this late in the year, because if this was something that happened early in the year, I think maybe they could have used this as a, you know, springboard to see what they're really good at, you know? Now, Clay, I know you don't pay too much attention in the world of college football, but I was recently thinking about how there hasn't been one really good quarterback to come out of Ohio State. It's just never it hasn't happened. I mean, can you think I of one when we drafted when we drafted everybody's going crazy. We got Justin Fields, I go Cardell Jones. Um I mean we've had uh obviously Troy Smith or Troy Smith Dwayne Haskins. Haskins. Um there's been Craig Krenzel back to the Bears days of the two thousands. They just never have – I don't care what their stats look like in um, in college. For whatever reason, they're just not – they're just not, you know, performing in the league. And if you look at Haskins, J.T. Barrett, oh, right. Haskins, J.T. Barrett, and then Fields, I mean, you got a lot of similarities between those guys. And then, you know, Braxton Miller, you know. Terrell I mean, Pryor. Terrell Pryor. I mean, these are a lot of the same guys. And – so I'm like wondering, I'm like, why, why were they so sold on, um, on this? Uh, can we pause for a second? Yeah, yeah, you're good, man. <laughs> Some of you are watching us live right now on Twitter. That's okay. Clay's got a, someone knocking on his door. Um, he's going to take care of that, and then uh, we'll be good. No, sorry about that, man. I wasn't... Uh... No, it's all good, man. Don't worry about it. We're live on Twitter, but the Twitter crowd, they're all, I only go live on Twitter because people on Twitter have a short attention span. So the idea is they start watching this and they're like, okay, I'm going to listen to this whole thing later so I can yeah. cut this out. So we're good. No, I didn't know you. I didn't know that my cousin um, was coming over for a bit. I didn't know he was uh, getting here this early. So I apologize about that Twitter crowd. No uh, worries. But, um, but anyways, I, uh, I do, I do think it's it's weird about uh, the the Ohio State deal. You know, it's like their quarterbacks just never seem to pan out. I was thinking about it a little bit, and I was just thinking like the thing with Justin Fields is he looks like to me as I watch him, I like there's something. It's like he he didn't develop the way that I would like a guy to grow in college. And I was thinking because he's playing at Ohio State where, yes, they're playing in the Big Ten and they're playing great defenses, but, you know, he's got one of the best offensive lines in the country. 
he had arguably the best or the second best receiving core in the country last year. And I just think that like, let's just say he play he's playing at Purdue or he's playing at another school, even at a high level of competition. I'm not trying to knock big 10 or anything like that. I'm just saying that for whatever reason with Ohio state, it just seems like what we're seeing is like, yeah, the guy's extremely talented, but you mentioned reading, processing, going to his second option. That's where he needs improvement. And I just don't know how that gets better at the professional level. It, it can get better, but I didn't think they should have thrown him out there as early as they did. You know, they, they, um, they listen to the, to the, to the team. They listen, or they listen to the, uh, to the, to the fans. There was a huge here in Chicago. There was a huge outcry. You know, we lost a couple games, you know, we're, we're still in the hunt. Justin Fields came in and had a couple nice plays, but I mean, that's what he maybe should have been doing was coming in here and there, spot play, get a little bit of experience and sit. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Three years, he got to sit behind Brett Favre before he he even played, you know, at all. So I think they really uh, dropped the ball there. And honestly, I think they dropped the ball, like bringing in um, Andy Dalton. You have Andy Dalton on the roster. His name's Nick Foles. I mean, you look at these guys' numbers that are the exact same. Maybe Dalton's like a little bit more mobile than Foles. But, I mean, I think you already have Andy Dalton. I mean, his name's Nick Foles, and I didn't really understand the move bringing that guy in. And then you draft a first-round quarterback, and I got these three quarterbacks all getting paid decent, you know, decent contracts. And, I mean, that has to be an interesting room, meeting room. I know Foles is a guy that's not going to cause any problems. He's a – He's a very nice. He's a Christian. He's going to do whatever he can to help the team. And, you know, Andy Dalton's very similar. But if you have a normal normal locker room with guys, that's going to get a little chippy in there. You got three guys that have played and had success in this league. Well, two guys, and you got a first round rookie. It's it, it was all a little bit interesting to me to see why what the plan was. And looking at it now, there was no plan. Obviously, there was no plan at all. And um. I think Nagy's going to pay for it with his with his job, you know, at the end of this year. And I like Nagy. Nagy was a guy that I played with in Philly. He was my um, quality control guy. When I was in Philadelphia, Nagy was basically the glorified assistant of all the coaches. It's called quality control. They basically do the <clears throat> all the work. They're running scripts back and forth. They're typing up scripts. They're typing up coverages for all the plays. I'd be like, before practice, I'm like, hey, Nags, you want to go out and throw me, throw me 50 passes before practice? Yeah, I got you, Clay. Before a game, like Nags, let's go. We're gonna go throw. I need someone to throw me some some ca- some passes. You know, Nagy played in the CFL, Canadian Football League. That 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 guy actually has a good arm. Uh, throw me a lot of passes, and I liked the guy a lot. He was always a super nice, super genuine guy. When he got the job, I'm like, wow, Matt Nagy, like my guy that used to throw me passes before practice, is a head coach. That's what you see happening in the league. It's crazy to think that all these guys, you know, they're. Um, Head coaches now. Doug Peterson was a quarterback coach at Philly. You know, he was just a nice guy. You joke around with him. He's a quarterback coach and he's a head coach, you know, head coach for the Eagles. Now he's um interviewing for the job with the Jaguars. Um it's a, it all happens quick, but to go back to our, uh, our our statement, I don't think Nagy really had a plan. And I think Fields, I really don't think he's the guy. I hope he is. I hope he can improve, but you know, just from what I've seen and my experience in football, he's he's not he's not the guy that I think that will be the quarterback for Chicago Bears. Clay, what do you think happens next with the Bears here? I mean, there's a lot of talk about Nagy potentially losing his job. 
Is Ryan Pace, the GM, is he going to lose his job? What What do you think is going to happen here? What needs to happen? Um, I think Nagy's gone for sure. I'm not sure about Pace. Pace, it depends on his, um, you know, his relationship with the ownership. I think that Nagy's probably done for. And I think that, I mean, they, they invested a first-round pick on field. So are they married Who, to him? actually? Yeah. Are they married to him? I mean, they, they have to stick with fields at this point for another year, maybe. So I think this next year is going to be, you know, them trying to maybe find a guy that, that believes in fields and thinks that he can be the guy because uh, at what you paid for him, it'd be it'd be a shame now to just, you know, cut and run after he's only had a few starts. I mean, I really don't think he's the guy, but I think you, you got to give him another another opportunity next year. Yeah, I think it's it's really a messy situation because I think Ryan Pace has really I, I think Ryan Pace is the root of a lot of the problems that the Bears have because he's overpaid for so many of these guys. He didn't just give up one first round pick. He traded two first round picks, ones that's gonna probably be a top ten pick in this next draft to move up ten spots. And they gave up a third round pick and I think there was another fifth round pick in that did the same thing with Trubisky to move up to get Trubisky, gave up a lot of picks. And I think this team's in a spot right now where you just kind of look at in terms of cap flexibility, and I just don't really know how it gets better. I feel like, but at, at the same time, he's tied to fields. He just went all in on fields. So you have to you have to give fields. You can't just give up on fields at this time. I, I just don't know how it gets better. I feel like the Bears have been you know, 10 years ago, they fired Jerry Angelo. And I think if most Bears fans would love to go back to where they were at with Jerry Angelo than post-Jerry Angelo, post-Lovey Smith. Yeah, I think they need to go a new direction. Um, Pace has, actually, has had some some bad moves, obviously, the field, giving up, you know, the, the, the first rounder this year. And then um, Trubisky, too. And honestly, Trubisky wasn't as bad as, as people made him out to be. If you look at Trubisky versus num- numbers versus Fields numbers, uh, Trubisky looks like, you know, he's a Pro Bowl player. <laughs> he was. speaking. But, yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know what to say about the moves uh, Pace has been making. I mean, I love David Montgomery. I think they got a guy there that would be a good back for a while, but I think they're wasting him and his talent on – you know, some just subpar quarterbacks. And then receiving-wise, I love Allen Robinson. I love Mooney. I I just think they probably need a better quarterback. Now, I found it very interesting because we're watching this game, and it was a. I thought it was a good game. I thought it was a fun game. I love watching games in the snow. I think that's always a lot of fun. I don't know what your thoughts were playing in the snow. It might be a little different than watching it, but it's always good television and it was really interesting because you have this Bears team that's 5 and 10 now and then on the other side of things you got the Seahawks team that's 5 and 10 very disappointing uh, for a lot of people and of course there was the rumor that the Bears offered three first round picks a third round pick and two starters for Russell Wilson before the season and i'm just watching Russell Wilson in this game and i've watched him for much of the season and I'm really curious what his future is going to hold with this organization. Russell doesn't look like the same player either. It's very interesting to me because um, I don't know what happened with him, but he uh, 
he's regressed. I know he's dealing with some injury stuff, and I'm hoping that's it. I've always liked Russell Russell Wilson. He seems like a great guy. He's uh, you know, he's a man of faith. He always puts it out there. He just uh, he does a lot of things for the community. And um, I like Russell Wilson as a, as a person, as a player. I've always liked him, but he just doesn't seem like the same guy. I don't know if he came back too soon from this injury. I'm hoping he can get back to his, uh, you know, his his self he was, you know, a couple years back. But uh, right now, Russell Wilson is not looking like the Pro Bowl All Pro quarterback that he's been in the past. And the Seahawks aren't looking good either. DK Metcalf, you know, isn't looking like the guy that everybody thought he would be. Obviously, he had the big the big touchdown he had a couple good catches against the bears but if you look at his numbers these last like eight games it's it's not been good so i mean that's you know not good for the seahawks because those two guys are guys that they've really invested in and, and think that are, are going to be big big time uh you know con- contributors to, to their team and then you got uh pete carroll you know obviously he's his job is safe for a couple years what he's shown out there but I know he can't be happy and probably got to be thinking what's going on with some of these guys. Yeah, I really think that the more I watch Russell Wilson this year, but it was also last year. I mean, last year he really dropped off in the second half, and I felt like 2018 was really the best year I remember seeing him have, and I think since then he's gradually gone down a little bit. And I think as I watch him, I think he's age 33, age 34, He's reminding me a little bit of where Donovan McNabb was at this point of his career, where he started to lose a little bit of the athleticism and the mobility, and he really declined sort of quickly. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen to Russ because McNabb, I mean, he got traded before you got to Philly, right? Yeah, he got traded right before I got to Philly. The year I got drafted, he got traded. We had Kevin Cobb and Michael Vick. The thing I watch with as I watched the, my concern would be for these guys who are the mobile quarterbacks where you look at Russ and his skill set is that he's so fast. He's so athletic. And one of the things I'm watching like yesterday and I've watched this year is like early in his career, he's always been good at avoiding sacks. He's always been good at ducking, shifting, spinning. And I don't see that same kind of shiftiness and I think we've seen more of those bad sacks being taken. I think that he's losing that part of that game. Whereas a guy who's a traditional pocket passer and is based on not as much on athleticism, like the Drew Brees, the, uh, I mean, obviously Brees is in Brady and, uh, you know, some of these guys who are playing in their forties, Peyton had a nice long career and those are some of the greats. But I do think that there's less of, I think I'd have more confidence if I'm a team that's going to invest in a quarterback. Um, Like, I guess what I'm saying is Russell could get traded. There's also rumors that Kirk Cousins could get traded. We'll see what actually happens, but I'd have a little more confidence investing in a traditional pocket passer at this stage of their careers than I would a guy who's been a shifty scrambler. Yeah, I think Kurt and I think Kurt Cousins is, has had a heck of a year. Obviously, they they just lost uh, yesterday, and I um, I was looking for a little bit better. I know they're playing against the Rams. So I was looking for a little bit better of a game out of them, you know, out of Kirk Cousins and, and then the Vikings, knowing that they're in this in this playoff hunt. And that was disappointing. But they're playing. They were playing against a good team. But he, his numbers look great. Um, a lot of touchdowns, a few interceptions. I mean, a lot of yards, and um, obviously they got a great running game. And um, I thought the Vikings were definitely going to be a team that nobody's going to want to see come playoff time. I'd be more, 
I'd be more inclined to trade for a guy like Kirk Cousins if you put the right running game, the right defense around him, than like you said, a Russell Wilson. The Russell just hasn't looked the same. Like if you look at this year, I mean, you look at what have you done for me lately? You know, obviously you've seen Russell's pass and hopefully he can get back to that guy. But, uh, you know, Cousins uh, is doing a pretty has a pretty good year this year. And if you look at the numbers, it's actually very impressive. Yeah, and I also think Matthew Stafford's going to have – I mean, I know he's around that same age. I think Stafford's got – I know he took a beating in Detroit. I, he's got a lot of good years ahead of him too on that other side. We're talking about the Rams-Vikings game. Yeah, Stafford looks like he – you see it with the pocket passing guys. They can um, they can play in this league for – I mean, look at Tom Brady. Was he 44? <laughs> yeah. The guy's about to be 45 years old. Well, you can't you can't be serious. I mean, fifty years old, still in contention for the MVP. The guy might be the MVP this year, forty four years old. If you're a pocket passer with a decent offensive line, all you gotta do is throw the ball. You know, as long as you're still mentally sharp and crisp and can throw. Obviously, you saw a guy like Peyton Manning. You know, arm strength started to fade. You know, getting a lot of injuries. But if you can take care of your body, you can play until your upper thirties for sure. You know, and if you're a mobile guy that uses his speed and elusiveness a lot. You know, obviously your body's going to start catching up to you in your mid-30s, and, and that's hard. So there's a difference of about five years of longevity on those guys. You see a guy like um, like uh, Russell Wilson we're just talking about, a guy like uh, – you saw what happened, you're saying Donovan McNabb, Michael Vick, you know, and when a lot of their athleticism starts to fade, a lot of their performance uh, goes down. Now, I know that rookie year you had, Clay, you mentioned Michael Vick. I want to bring this up. Your rookie year was that 2010 Eagle season. You guys won the NFC East. Michael Vick had an MVP caliber season. Unfortunately, didn't get any MVP votes. Brady ended up winning the award. But that was just, I, I remember that that was my junior year of high school. And I, I can remember that season vividly. I think it probably for, for Eagles fans especially, they remember that season extremely well. Would that be, I know you spent nine years in the league. Was that the most fun you had on a team, Clay? That was a lot of fun. That year was a lot of fun. We made the playoffs. We ended up losing to the Packers in the in the wild card game by one by by four. I'm sorry. And we had a uh, we had the ball at the 20 yard line, 15 maybe, and we threw an interception in the end zone to lose the game. This club, guess who won the Super Bowl that year? That would be the Packers. They beat my Steelers. The team that beat us, and we we always thought that if we would have won that game, that could have been us that made it to the to the Super Bowl and um you know the bend up seeing the Packers team we had on the ropes. All we needed was that touchdown. <clears throat> but um that was a fun year. It's a fun year. That was the uh that was the miracle in the Meadowlands part two. Yeah. Oh was- my gosh. Yeah. That game you guys were down was it twenty eight seven in the fourth quarter? Yeah. We came back and won. That was incredible. And I wasn't a big part of that team. I probably had ten catches, played on special teams, but being around the guys, being a part of that team was was an incredible, incredible time. And that's memories I'll you know, tell my grandkids one day. You know, you got Deshaun Jackson, LaShawn McCoy, Monday Night Football. We're playing against the Washington Redskins. First play of the game, I got to block Brian Arakpo. I lost sleep that night. Dude, like, I, I got to block Arakpo off the edge one-on-one? What is this? Who do they call a rookie tight end? Um, we end up throwing a bomb to Deshaun Jackson. He runs it in for a touchdown. Just incredible feeling. that The stadium is just quiet you can hear a pin drop Laron Landry and Deshaun Jackson got into a fight before the game they're arguing back and forth just stuff like that 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 season was like <clears throat> it was like a movie it was like a show 
I feel like it was like um, if you ever watched the show with The Rock, uh, Ballers. I haven't know, seen it, but I've heard good things. Yeah, it's literally like a movie and a show. And that move, that show, that that season was was incredible with uh, with Vic and the guys. And we had so many personalities; just made it really fun. Yeah, for those who don't remember, they were down twenty eight seven in the Meadowlands against the Giants. Giants were good that year. They they were one of the only teams to win ten games and miss the playoffs that year. Or that's actually happened in NFL history. It's only happened a few times. Uh, and you guys were down twenty eight seven. Came back. And then Deshaun Jackson returns a punt, which he actually, people might forget, he muffed the punt. Then he picks yeah. it back up yeah. and runs for a touchdown. Were you on the field for that play? I was on the field for that play. I always, every time somebody posts it, I always repost it just <laughs> out of uh, n- nostalgia. And uh, it was a fun play, man. I blocked my guy. I did my part, I guess. And, um, and the biggest part about that game, and the winner of that game won the NFC East. So that's how we won the NFC East that year. Um it was pretty incredible. The celebration in the locker room afterwards was uh, was pretty great. Did you notice when he muffed it? Did you see that? Or were you blocking somebody and you didn't get to see that part? I didn't get to see it. I was just like, what's taking him so long to get moving, you know? I was like, maybe we we catch the ball, we run out of bounds, and we try to throw a Hail Mary, you know? <laughs> I was always wondering, I mean – let me hear what you think of this. I was always kind of wondering, because I, I remember he returned that for a touchdown, of course, as time expires, the Eagles win. And there were a couple other times, I don't, I can't remember specific examples, but I've seen a couple times where a punt or a kick gets uh, dropped and then everyone kind of scrambles for the ball and the guy ends up running for a touchdown. I was just curious if you think that um, if Deshaun muffing that punt changes the way that I, I know it's all happening so fast if a defense is like oh fumble we got to go crazy for this fumble and then when they when they see the ball on the ground uh it's easier to run it back i don't know absolutely that's what happens man it's like um you lose your lane integrity you know you see the ball on the ground you kind of lose your lane integrity you go after this ball and then it adds you know it, uh, it, it basically makes you be more patient it lets you set up different blocks and you lose your lane integrity on defense you want to go after the ball you know you see the ball on the ground it's like oh ball's on the ground so then as soon as he he broke a couple of those tackles at first like uh-oh it's going to be bad news for the for the giants and then nobody's catching that guy yeah it was incredible and michael vick uh he had played on the team a year before that so you weren't there right when he came into the locker room but i remember that uh, first game of the season, season, it was against the Packers, right? You guys were playing the Packers. Kevin Cobb gets injured. Yeah. Yeah, I was that game. yeah. What was that? Yeah, I remember that game. I was, uh, I was playing that game. I had a holding call that game. <laughs> I did. I had a holding shady touchdown, right? Shady scored a touchdown. They got, I got called for holding. They brought the ball back. Luckily, we scored on that drive. So I wasn't like, you know, <laughs> we lost that game. But uh, yeah, I remember that. So uh, Vic comes in in that game, and then he ends up starting the rest of the year. I picked him up in fantasy, and he won me my fantasy league that year. And he was just such a fantastic redemption story. I know Coach Dungy was uh, mentoring him when he was in prison. And, you know, there have been a lot of times where people don't want to give guys like a Michael Vic a second chance. Um, How, I mean, what was it like? being teammates with him was he a good dude but what was that like you know mike mike's a good guy man he um he was always a little bit to himself a little bit um he had his own little crew but 
he was always great with the with the guys. He's a good guy in the huddle, good guy in the locker room. Everybody looked up to him and um, loved his story as well. You know, he was a leader. Everybody knew it, knew how talented he was, and yeah, he's definitely a guy that you would uh, go into battle with every week. And then, of course, uh, we talked about the glory of 2010. We have to discuss what went wrong in 2011. Uh, team went crazy. Well, not went crazy, but they made some bold moves, brought in a lot of great talent in the offseason. Mad hype. You got backup quarterback Vince Young calling it the dream team. And then you guys ended up going eight and eight, missing the playoffs. Some have called it the nightmare team. What do you think went wrong with that team? That's a good question. Um, I think, honestly, we had a lot of injuries. We had some injuries on the O-line. We, um, <clears throat> we, uh, our linebacking core was was pretty was wasn't the wasn't the best. Our D line was okay, but uh, offense wasn't the same offense for whatever reason. We we had a lot of turnovers. It was crazy because we'd be doing well, and then we'd we'd turn the ball over in the red zone. We, it was just like the, the same thing would happen week after week, and probably like three games we would turn the ball over a few times in the red zone. You think about it; these three games. I mean, instead of being eight and eight, you're eleven and five. So these couple games here and there. And, and then the next thing you know, I mean, if we win one more game, we're nine and seven and we're in the playoffs and people aren't saying it. it's like, Oh, a nightmare team, two more games, 10 and six, you know, you have a chance. You're, you're really, you know, you're a solid team, you know? Um, so it's just, it's a game inches, man. And, and, and whatever happened that year, it was just always seemed like there was something going wrong. Michael Vick goes down. We have Vince come in for a few games and, you know, we didn't play so well with Vince in Seattle and then Vince and um, the Giants. He ended up beating the Giants. And, um, yeah, I just had some bad luck. I remember I dropped a pass in Seattle against on Thursday Night Football, Vince Young. I, I mean, there was a lane there. I make one guy miss, I could probably score a touchdown. Might have went in that game. Stuff like that was happening that year. It's crazy. Clay, this past week, I think it was this past week, uh, Eagles running back Miles Sanders tweeted, Stop booing players. He tweeted that to the fans. As someone who spent three years playing in Philadelphia, what is your uh, viewpoint on fans booing players? I think it's something you got to, you know, if you're not winning, you got to realize you're going to, they're going to boo you. I think that um, that third, that second and third year in Philly, the third year when we went four and 12, five and 11. Uh, every every day, booing, there was fire Andy chance. We we would literally drive into the Novacare complex, which is our practice facility. There'd be picket picketers, like they're picketing, like they're they're picketing a, a company that's like dumping pollution into the into the ocean or something. They're picketing us to fire our, our coaching staff and our GM because they were unhappy. I mean, that's that's Philadelphia. You got to realize that's where you're playing. Fans are passionate. You love to play for a passionate fan base. But if you're not performing, they're going to boo you. And uh, sometimes it seems like it could be fickle because uh, they're cheering you one minute. Oh, you want a game next minute? They're booing you. You're the worst in the world. You got to, as a player, you got to, you got to zone all that out. You shouldn't even hear it. I don't, um, I don't agree with that statement. If a fan wants to boo, if they want to cheer, hey, they paid it. To, they paid their money to be there. They're paying your salary. They can do whatever they want. You, your job is to play your best and put a winning um, product on the field for them. So I understand um, both sides, but I never would have said don't boo the fans a part of the game. Now, Clay, I didn't play football growing up. I did play baseball and I took some, I actually took some coaching classes in college. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting in one of the coaching psychology or coaching philosophy classes was basically this idea of 
if you're coaching a football team, maybe you're maybe you're yelling and screaming and get your team pumped up a little more. In baseball, a sport like baseball, you want more of a calming presence. You want it's a 162 game season. The game happens very slowly. You're only getting four at bats a game. And I know we saw like for instance, Javi Baez was getting booed earlier this season or this past season when he got traded over the Mets. And he and uh, Francisco Lindor were doing the thumbs up or thumbs down thing to the fans because uh, they didn't like being booed. I was curious if so. I, I feel like in a baseball situation, I could understand it a little more where it's not going to be productive for the players. I'm just curious though if that's something that you or other players feed off of when you get booed, where it, it motivates you to get out there and to I don't know bash some heads. <laughs> When you're getting booed in, in an away game, it kind of motivates you because it's like you versus them. And there's a different, there's definitely a different feeling there. When you're getting booed at home in front of your fans, I mean, I think that's what Miles Sanders was saying. It's um, yeah, it's a little bit different of feeling because you're playing for these people. This is your city, and you're still getting booed. So it's a different feeling there. But for me, I never minded. I just said, hey, it doesn't matter to me what the crowd is. To me, I said, there is no crowd. I'm just playing this game just like it's practice, you know, try to, try to do everything just like it would be practice and um, zone everything else out. Now, in 2012, your last year with the Eagles, that was Nick Foles' rookie season. You mentioned that you got to spend a lot of time with him that year. Are you guys still friends to this day? Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll text occasionally. Um, you know, obviously he lives in Chicago too, but uh, – yeah, back back when in Philly, we were really good buddies. Not not so close anymore. Obviously, he's really busy over there at Hallis Hall. But um, yeah, he's he's a he's a good guy and a guy I'll always consider a friend. Did he watch you on the Bachelorette? Didn't ask. I hope not. <laughs> okay, more on that to come. Uh, one of the other stories from this weekend, Clay, that I think is really interesting. The Cincinnati Bengals arriving a year ahead of schedule. They're in position to win the AFC North. They just embarrassed Baltimore yesterday. The Browns lost this weekend. My Steelers are really just, I think they're just an average team. I don't think maybe in these expanded playoffs they can sneak in there, but they're not going to do anything. The Cincinnati Bengals are the class of the AFC North this year. And I'm going to expect that to be the case for the next couple of years moving forward. They got something very special there with Joe Burrow. Yeah, Burrow's uh, Burrow's great, and I feel like they got a lot of weapons too. You know, the the, uh, the Bengals have a lot of weapons. I haven't got to watch them live a lot, but I've just um, just seeing the highlights and everything. I think that they're they're a young team, and they, the, the sky's the limit, especially with a quarterback like Burrow. Guy threw for five twenty-five yesterday, the fourth highest total in NFL history. Right after the opposing um, defensive coordinator said he's not fitting Joe Burrow for a uh, for a green jacket anytime soon for the Hall of Fame, so I think that's pretty pretty funny. That he literally was saying that, and then Joe Burrow throws up the fourth fourth highest total in yards that has ever been thrown in NFL history. So maybe you might want to rethink that. But uh, the Bengals are looking good. Sorry for the rest of the rest of the North over there, but uh, it's good. Um, it's good for them. Cincinnati, I mean, it's been a while since they've had a really good team. Obviously, back in the Andy Dalton, Chad Ochocinco, TJ Hushmanzada days, they were they were a solid team. But I think this team with um, with Burrow can be even better than the Dalton-Carson Palmer days. 
Yeah, the Carson Palmer era was really upended by that. Uh, I think he tore his ACL in that playoff game against the Steelers. The bad hit from Kimo Von Olhoffen went low on him, and that really ruined their uh, chances, that little era that they had there. Um, and they went with Andy Dalton, and they had this team where it was always good, but they couldn't win, They couldn't break through. They couldn't win a playoff game. Yeah, I think this team is going to. It might not happen this year, but I think they're going to win. They they can win a couple playoff games over these next couple of years. I think we're gonna, depending on how they build the rest of their team. I think they're in a great position where when you have a quarterback playing at the level that Joe Burrow is playing at on a rookie contract, you can save a lot of money. So they have a window here the next two three years where they can really capitalize on having a guy who could end up being a top 10, top five type quarterback in this league. Uh, I, I really think that this is the start of something very special in Cincinnati. And minus the, the Chiefs, I mean, the AFC is wide open. I mean, people thought the Patriots were coming into their own there, but they just they just lost a couple games here. The Bills um, are solid. They just beat the Patriots, obviously. But I think the AFC is wide open. There's no, um, you know, Baltimore started hot without Lamar Jackson. I think that they're not the same team. Um, I think the AFC is wide open and that uh, it's a good spot for the Bengals to be in because, I mean, you could, they can make it to the AFC championship game um, easily. Not easily, but you can see it happening. Yeah, it could definitely happen. What were your other takeaways from this weekend of football, Clay? Um, obviously, I watched the, watched the Eagles game. I thought that, that was uh, – I mean, they're playing against a, a horrendous Giants team, but they're, they're in a position to make the playoffs. I don't think many people are going to want to see them in the playoffs. They, they, they're one of the best rushing teams in the league. Uh, Jalen Hurts is playing better and better. Um, I, think the, I think the big game with the, with the, the Patriots and the, the Bills, I think that was, uh, that was telling. The Patriots aren't the team that's going to run away with the division again. They could have clinched, and um, the Bills won. I thought that uh, the Chiefs are back. You know, obviously uh, they weren't playing against a great team, but I think that, you know, they put up a dominating performance, you know, one by 20. Um, then, you, you, like you said, you got the you got the Bengals. I mean, that's obviously a takeaway there too. So I think you're starting to see a lot of things take shape, and it's, it's fun. I, I mean, I love the end of the season of football. I think it's – it doesn't get much better than that. And then you, if you watch the uh, the Cowboys last night, I think that they might actually win a playoff game this year. It's possible. So we'll see what happens with them. Obviously, they're playing against the Washington football football team with you know Taylor Heineke. But still, I mean, they they put up fifty um, and they looked great. Dak looked good. Defense looked good. I mean, if they can put it all together, they can win a playoff game for sure. Clay, you mentioned the Eagles. Jalen Hurts, I think, is pretty good. I think a lot of people, it's actually interesting. We talk about Ohio State quarterbacks struggling to find success in this league. If you were buying stock, you could have bought low on the Alabama quarterback room from just a few years ago when they had Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa, Mac Jones. And I thought coming into the season, there were so many guys who – I mean, there were a lot of fans and media and whatever that a lot of people are, oh, Mac Jones, he's a game manager. He's not that good. I mean, Mac Jones, they, they've won nine games, and you know, maybe maybe some people think he isn't that good. I think he's pretty good. He's very accurate. Uh, Tua was someone that was just getting crapped on, like all these fictional trades. Oh, they're going to trade Tua. It's going to happen. They should trade him. He's not that good. And they've won, I think they've won six straight, and they got a big game tonight against the Saints. And then 
We've seen a lot with Jalen Hurts this year in Philly. I think all three of those guys could end up having a pretty good career. I think so. I think uh, Tua, people are saying a lot of stuff about Tua. I have to, I have to, I go back to the numbers. I look at his numbers. I go, this guy's a solid quarterback, and it's his second year. He's coming back from an injury. You go, what do they want from these guys? Yeah. I go, it's, it's crazy. Tua is, Tua is a good player. I like Tua. Obviously, Hurts has been up and down, but he's a Pro Bowl alternate. You know, I've, People have gotten after me. I haven't criticized Hurts, but I think some of the Eagles fans think that this guy's Joe Montana. And I'm like, he's got a lot of work. I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's Joe Montana yet. I think you got to um, got to realize this guy's got a lot of work to do still. And then um, Mac Jones, I think he's in a great system. The Patriots are going to put him in a great position to win. You got Josh McDaniel, in my opinion, is the best coordinator in football. I think that he's he's accurate. He's good for the Patriots system. I don't think he's going to you know set the world on fire, but I think they can win with him. I'm not sure he's the long term solution there. Like everybody's saying, he's going to be the next you know Tom Brady be there for 15. Yeah, 20. but no one Tom Brady. That's the thing. He's a rookie and um, he's been playing great, and he's he, what he's been doing is impressive. So I think that 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 quarterback room is incredible. I don't know if we've ever have we ever seen a t- quarterback room like that. I mean, in college, I mean, NFL, you had uh, Steve Young and Joe Montana, you know. I'll give you one for college. Uh, You mentioned Steve Young. Uh, Jim McMahon and Steve Young at BYU. That was a a pretty good one. I mean, there are some others. I mean, USC had, I think Mark Sanchez was probably that crossed over with Matt Leinart at one point. But those guys weren't great pro players. They were great college players. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the BYU one, I mean. That's one thing I think it was kind of crazy when people are like, Zach Wilson can't be good because he's from BYU. And that's another one where I'm like, let's pump the brakes. Let's see what this guy is a year or two. That's a really bad team. It's a tough situation to walk into. He's not looking good, but I'm hoping he can can turn it around. Yeah, and I think with Wilson, I do think he's going to end up being good. I was pretty high on him coming into the league. But I just thought – You got to win. Yeah, he did. He ran for a long touchdown yesterday, too. Yard touchdown. I mean, obviously, you're playing the Jaguars. I mean, I love my Jaguars, but they're not doing so right now. <laughs> they, you know, it's funny, though, with Zach Wilson, is people are like, oh, well, he went to BYU. He can't be good. They're, they're no good quarterbacks from BYU. I'm like, you ever heard of Jim McMahon or Steve Young or the fact that BYU won a national championship in 1984? Yeah, you can find quarterbacks from. I mean, I don't think it matters. I think you can find good players in Division One AA, Division Two. Obviously, Carson Wentz isn't crazy good. He had a great game on um, on Saturday, and he, uh, you know, he's from North Dakota State. You got guys, uh, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl from Delaware. You know, you'll you'll find guys from wherever. Yeah, I mean that's it's the beauty of sports. They'll find you wherever they play. And you came from the FCS. You played from you play at Missouri State, and you were a fourth round pick. And yeah. that doesn't happen too often, but it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's tough tougher to do that. You have to get some numbers. Uh, you have to have some numbers, um, and then you also have to uh, test well. I feel like in, in, in the in the big conferences, you can either have one or the other. In FCS, you have to do both. You have to Test well, and you have to have the numbers. So what pro day did you work out at? Well, I went to the combine, and um, I did some I did some stuff at the pro day. I just ran my 40 again, improved on my 40 time. Um, because I was very disappointed in that. And then um, 
think that's all I did. I literally ran a 40 and ran in caught passes. Everything so, else is combine, yeah. Anything else on current NFL stuff or you want to get to some other? If you got anything else, let me know. We can move no, on. No, I'm good. All right, Clay. So nine years in the NFL, you played with some really good quarterbacks. I mean, we mentioned Mike Vick. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Uh, Jacksonville, you played with some quarterbacks there. Uh, <laughs> but, no, you did play with Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Drew Brees. Which of those guys was, in terms of just being a – which one of those guys do you felt – I know you weren't there too long with those teams. Which of those guys did you feel was the best leader of a locker room? I would say um, – I mean, obviously, you can't say Tom Brady anything but Tom Brady because this guy, we're in training camp and OTAs. And I'm like, is he serious? Like, this guy is really this pissed off? <laughs> He's acting like we're, we're in the playoffs right now about some seven-on-seven seven and we're in, we're in OTAs. He's cussing. He's like, we got to get this. You know, I'm like, wow, guys, you know, this guy's legit, man. He's, he's just an ultra-competitor. And um, – Stafford, love Stafford. Um, he's more of a quiet guy, like lead by example. Then you got uh, Drew Brees. He'll he'll rip your ass a little bit. <laughs> um, Drew Brees, you know, I signed with them and I go through OTAs. And um, after OTAs, like, hey man, I really like what you've been doing. Um, it's like you should come out and throw in um, San Diego with me this off season. It was me and Kobe Fleener, the two tight ends he liked at that point. And um, I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. He's like, all right. He's like, I'll have my assistant reach out. Like I was, I was just going to grab a flight. So he, his assistant, reaches out, buys me a, a round-trip first-class ticket, sets me up in a hotel um, on his dime, and, and he picked us up every morning in his Tesla and uh, drove us to the field So just so we could throw. I was out there for five days just so we could throw for an hour, three days. And he set us up with his uh, workout facility so we get our workouts in. So that's the kind of guy Drew Brees is. Talk about a leader. He paid, full, paid for everything. You know, and me, I, you know, I've never experienced anything like that back in Jacksonville. I remember going out to throw with Bortles and um, I get there. I'm like, yo, are we throwing? He's like, God, no, we canceled the day. I'm like, what? I flew out here, bro. Like, I thought we were throwing. That's the whole reason I'm here is to throw. And then the next day we throw again. We finally throw and get some routes in. I'm like, okay, it's a good day at work at least. And the following day we're supposed to throw again. He's like, oh, man, sorry. I had too many beers last night. <laughs> So I flew out to L.A. to throw with portals, and we got one day of throwing in. I paid for everything myself. On the flip side, I go with with Drew Brees, and he pays for everything. He picks us up every morning, first class, both ways. I'm like, that's the difference, man. That's the difference right there. Stuff like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story. Who was the biggest – do you have a good trash talk story, Clay? Um, you know, I wasn't much of a trash talker, but, uh, was there a guy who was talking trash that you just lit up on a block? You know, I don't, I don't remember any trash talk story. I do have a Tom Brady story. All right. Yeah. Let's hear it. So, you know, I'm, I'm with new England. I signed there and we're in training camp and, um, Tom hops in the room and, um, well, first, let me back up a little bit. We So for the plays, New England's got tough, tough playbook, toughest playbook I've ever learned. I got really good at learning these. Just got to know most teams have 10 plays, maybe 15. You say one word. 
you say coffee. You got to know the play, the formation, the snap count, the route. For me, I'm just good at correlating things. So if, if you say the word or you say the play, green right, 370, I'll say coffee. Green right, 370, um, tree, you know, or you say, okay, um, tree. And you, say, you have to say green right, 373, so it's like a, you go back and forth. And which, so we're playing one of those games. I don't remember which one. Tom comes in and Brian Dable, who's actually up for some head coaching jobs this um, this year's our tight end coach. And he, he's explaining a play to us. And he's like, hey, Tom, um, I want you to play this game with Clay. He's like, I bet, I bet you can't beat him. And um, he's like, come on, Dave's, uh, you know, it's I've been here for 18, 17 years, whatever. He's like, no, he's really good at this game. He's like, you're going to want to play him. And he's like, okay. So he comes in the room and we set this up and Dable does the games at green right. I'm like tree. Okay. Blue right three seven uh, plant. Like I know these plays and I, I wrecked Tom probably like five to two. We're playing to five. He's, I thought he was joking. He's runs out the room, slams the door. I'm like, is he serious? He's so mad. And then the next day, we're sitting in the tight end rooms again. We're going over plays. You know, we got Gronk, Martellus Bennett. It's a hilarious tight end room, by the way. Do oh, seriously. Go back, back and forth. It was hilarious. We're sitting there. Door opens suddenly. We're all startled. It's Tom. All right, Clay, let's go. I'm like, what? Like, well, what's happening right now? And he makes me play. He's like, David, let's go. The game. Let's go. And um, he starts reading them out, and Dable's picking through the list. He's like, all right, we have Tree Green. You know, Tom wrecks me 5 nothing. That's right, mother <laughs> leaves seven the floor. And I'm like, he was really serious. He was so upset that I beat him. He's so competitive. He went home. He studied. He came back and made it a point to let me know that there's no way I could beat him in that, in that, in that game. That is an incredible story. And then what were your feelings when that happened? Were you just like I was just shocked? I was like, <laughs> what happened? I'm like, I don't know what happened. I'm like a little bit upset with myself that I couldn't get one, you know, and I'm I'm you know, I'm playing against Gronk, Martellus, all the tight ends. I'm playing, I'm I'm winning. Nobody can get a, nobody can get a word in. And then Tom comes in and just wrecks me. Yeah, it was crazy. So I mean I was pretty disappointed in my performance, but I'm like, yo, this this would be a funny story to tell my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Clay, have you seen the vi- – do you remember the – it was a TMZ video. It was, like, it was maybe like a year before that, before you got there, maybe like 2015, where Gronk spikes the roses in front of all the paparazzi. No. Okay, well, it was just a – it was a great um, – it was a great video where paparazzi catches him, TMZ, coming out of a bar, and he's like, let's go for a run, and they follow him along, and he's just doing Gronk stuff for three minutes, and it's really funny – I was showing that to my sister yesterday because she's a little younger than I am, but she loves Gronk. She thinks he's really funny. And she was like a little, not not shocked by it, but she's just like, oh my gosh. And we were saying that it seems like Gronk is out of his peak partying days right now. Like it seems like when you would have been there, that's when he was probably having the most fun out there. It probably seems like he's like retired that. a little bit. Yeah, he's you know, he's got a girl now. Um you know, yeah, Gronk, I was always impressed with how he could party and just and then come back and just play well, man. He's uh unbelievable in that way. When I mean a lot of guys can do that. I remember Brent Selleck would be out a lot. I mean, he for a couple of years, then he settled down and got married. But a lot of these guys could play, man. They could uh they could uh go out and hang out and then they're um you know, they they'd still be able to play and 
and, and, and crush, crush a game. Now it's 2016. Patriots end up winning the Super Bowl. However, you weren't there for the Super Bowl. Did you get a Super Bowl ring? I didn't get a Super Bowl ring. I got paid for all the so – I got to double dip and I got paid for all the playoff games in the Super Bowl just because I had played at least four games. But uh, I never got the ring. Most teams would give you a ring for that. Yeah. But Patriots never did. Wow. I'm sorry to bring that up then. I apologize. Yeah. You're, hitting a, you're hitting a sore subject there. I'm going to go <laughs> cry after this. <laughs> Okay, so you got hurt in 2017, right? That's what it, you were on IR in 2017. That Saints team, though, that was a devastating way to end a season. Man, yeah, I got hurt. The final preseason game was on IRR. Was going to be a decent little had a decent little package in the system, and um, got hurt, man. But that was uh, I was on the team the whole year there, and tough way to lose in that Minnesota game when um, the, the guy missed that uh, that play, missed that tackle. I mean, that, that was tough. So then you end up on the bachelorette of all things. How did that come to fruition? It's a random thing, man. They hit me up and um, I told them I was a plaza football player. And I'm like, no, you don't really have to do much. You just have to show up for the final casting and we'll get you on the show. Show up for the final casting. Like we want you to come on. I'm like, yeah, I probably got maybe two years left in the league at this point. I'm thinking, you know, and then um, maybe this could lead to maybe some some sort of job, maybe be a commentator or something. I don't know, maybe some kind of, uh, you know, sports analyst or something. I'm thinking right. like something. Jesse Palmer, Jordan Rogers. Exactly. And that's what I saw. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I could, you know, find my person there. I'm a single guy. I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to meeting someone on a TV show. I think it'd be a funny story. I think it's possible. I didn't know much about the show and went on and uh, ended up actually getting hurt. So I broke my wrist on the show and um, I rehabbed that. And then the next, then that following year, you know, after the, so I was on IR that whole year with the Saints. And that following year, I get, I get a few workouts, right? My first one's with the, uh, the Bills. So I go to Buffalo, beginning of two, 2018 season. And um, coaching staff, it's just me and like healthy and in shape. We're going to sign you. Like, perfect. You know, I am. And I'm on the field during my workout and um, tore my groin. And, oh. My groin, I was out for the whole season. Basically, team called during the year. Hey, is Harbor available? You know, we need a tight end. Agents like, yo, he's not ready. He, he, you know, he's uh, he injured, he's injured. And uh, after that year, trying to get back after being on IR and then missing a year because during my workout, I tore my groin was difficult. So that's basically how my career ended there. Yeah, I remember when you got injured on the show. It was one of the few seasons of The Bachelorette that I've actually watched. It was actually a pretty good season. I thought your season was yeah. good cast of characters. Yeah. Um, but I remember you got injured and they're playing a pickup football game and you got hurt in that game. There are all kinds of conspiracy theories that Clay didn't actually get hurt. He was just, they signed him to a contract to be on X number of episodes and they needed to get him, find him a way to get off the show or he quit. Um, but that was a real injury, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a real injury. Honestly, that, that whole, uh, that whole thing was actually a legit injury. Um, unfortunately, I wish it wasn't. But yeah, that actually happened. I actually got hurt in the, the Bachelorette. So that's, uh, that's pretty comical. How did being on a show like The Bachelorette or Bachelor in Paradise, how did that change your life? Because I think what's really interesting is you were someone who had been in the public eye, your professional athlete for a decade of your life. 
professional athletes are celebrities for maybe they, maybe they're not celebrities, but they're notorious, they're famous. And then you go onto this show and you're obviously being exposed to a different uh, portion of the population who otherwise might not know who you are. But then you've got all these other guys who do the reality circuit and they don't have the kind of resume that a Clay Harbor has. And yet they're getting all kinds of fame. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I think that The Bachelor is definitely an interesting. I had no idea when I when I entered that world what I was getting myself into. I literally no, I didn't even know. I didn't even have a, my Instagram was private. I would I didn't know about any of the stuff. Honestly, I didn't know people would get paid to do appearances, deals, and stuff like that. It was just I thought it would be cool and it could lead to maybe like a, an announcing job. And yeah, I think that uh, as far as the the reality TV thing goes, it's not as people aren't as interested in an actual is like a like the backstory that the, the the career aspect is basically you know who's you know basically who's more likable and who's better on camera, and that's what it comes down to. And it's it's a game all in the same. It's you know if you who can do better on the show and that's the the people that the fans like and then you know the the people that that get a lot of these uh, endorsements and stuff so it's a, it's an interesting world there in um in in bachelor nation i know we have a uh, mutual friend yeah and uh, garrett and i yeah. think um garrett isn't really a big uh reality tv guy doesn't like to um consider himself a you know reality tv star and I don't either, but it's, it's basically it's it's something that we're definitely known for, and it's crazy because you know I spent such a long time in the NFL, and I'm probably known more for the the show than you know my my football career, which is which is pretty funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, you're actually the third Bachelorette dude that I've had on this show. I've actually had I've had Garrett, I've had you, and I've had Jordan Kimball who defended your honor on Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, Jordan's a, a trip. Love that guy. What happened on Paradise? Because he told his version of the story where he stepped in there, and he did admit, he said, I went on Paradise the first time, taking it seriously, looking for love. He's like, second time, it was just total antics. I wanted to make the best television. Uh, so he steps in there, uh, decides he's going to wreck this guy's pinata, and then gets in a... a physical altercation that gets kicked off the show. I want to hear it from your uh, perspective. What were you watching when all that happened? What were your thoughts? Um, I thought the same thing. I thought Jordan was trying to, uh, to do something funny. You know, he's kind of a class clown and, you know, he wanted to make a splash. He wasn't there just to, uh, to sit on the sidelines and, you know, not get any, um, do anything fun. So I think Jordan had a plan to go in there and do something fun, crazy. He, he knew he was probably going home that night. He didn't have really a girl he was talking to. So he wanted to make a splash. And I think he did. He went out with a bang and <laughs> a lot of people were talking about that when it happened. So I think he did what he set out to do. And, um, you know, he's a funny guy. And I think that was, you know, part of his plan. He was going home. He went out with a bang. So that's what's uh what Jordan wanted to do. I think he's engaged now or yeah, girlfriend. I follow him on Instagram, so I'm happy for him. Yeah, he's engaged. Uh he's living in Houston now. He made the move from Florida. But uh Paradise, he was saying, was much more stressful, not as much fun as being on The Bachelorette. Did you have a similar experience? Paradise was I think Paradise was probably more fun and more mm -hmm. stress. 
but um, you're just, it's just so much time that you're, you're doing stuff there. And I thought, I thought paradise, if I wasn't on the bachelor for long, it's only there for a few weeks. So I didn't get to travel or do anything crazy. But uh, I thought paradise was, was funner because you could sit around with your friends and drink margaritas. But I mean, they are trying to stir up drama and stuff. And you have a bunch of people there, women, men and women, and everybody's looking for girls and guys. And it's just, uh, yes, yeah, a lot going on there, but I thought it was pretty fun. Um, Stressful too, though, for sure. Now you're retired from playing football. Well, I guess the, the XFL could get going again. Maybe you want to you would you give it a run at the XFL if they get they get it going a year from now? I might, man. When I, I signed with the end of XFL halfway through the season, and well, near the end of the season, didn't know it at the time. Right. You, know, you have to sign with the team nine for like ten days or something before you can sign with the team. And right before I was up to sign with the team, um. COVID canceled the, the season. So I never got to actually sign with the team in the XFL. And at that point, I was still like, dude, I'm 33. I'm about to be 35 now. If I uh, if I throw out some good tape and show that I'm healthy, you know, after that groin tear and everything, then maybe I can have another chance to get back in the league. That was my thought process. You know, show them that I'm healthy and, and everything. And and now if the, if the XFL, I might think about it. You know, I'm 35. I'm still in shape, though. But, I mean, that's getting up there in age. But, uh I'm, you know, who knows? I won't shut the door completely. I, uh, people will be like, this guy's crazy. Why is he still trying to play football? You know, financially, I, you know, I saved my money. I'm, you know, pension, uh, whatever. And this guy's going back to play in the XFL. Like what's going on? But I love football. And, um, I don't know if I go out there and start training again, and feel like I still got it. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Are you retired from reality television? Yeah, I retired from reality television as well. It's definitely a, a closed chapter in my book. <laughs> All right, I got a few more here for you. Some of the listener questions. Um, Hannah Schaub wants to know who your closest friends are from the Bachelor franchise. Um, <laughs> my cousin's hanging out over here. I would be remiss. Does he want to say hey? Does he got some sports takes? Yeah, he, yeah, come come give us your take. He was just at the Eagles game. Give us a, a live uh Yeah, come on in. Andrew, um, I'd say grocery store Joe, um, Blake Horseman. But yeah, Andrew, say what's up, man. What's, going what's on, up, man? Andrew? How are we doing? You lose your voice? <clears throat> I did. I was at the game. Uh bend down so you can see. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. All right. Andrew uh, uh Spencer, right? That's your name? Yeah. Andrew Spencer, you were just on the Bachelor, uh Bachelorette, like a couple like this past year, right? Yeah. 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 So tell us what you thought of the Eagles game firsthand. I mean, it started off slow, but they ended up coming back and winning. What do you think? The burn well, real? I think Eagles are a second half team, um, literally in the game and also like just in football, like, you know, when they're trying to get to the playoffs, they always play better in the second half of the season. Um, but that's like the, the bullying thing you guys are talking about. It's actually you- kind of ridiculous. Um, Jalen Rager was getting hammered yesterday. Uh, During the punt returns. Yeah, just every time he, like, he came out of the stadium, they booed him. Uh, <laughs> he, he stepped foot on the field, they booed him. And then he had that really monster punt return, which was really cool to see that. Um, what happened when he got the punt return? Did people? Oh, they, they, they were cheering. Were they cheering? Yeah, they were cheering. But like, that's, that's kind of how Philly does it, man. They're going to bully each to success. So uh, they did that with the, you know, running the ball. Remember the fans were screaming, run the ball. And, and they finally started running the ball. It's the best front rushing team in the league. Yep, yeah, so. That's Philly. It sucks, but um, 
It's pretty cool. It was a fun experience. So good game. Yeah. His best yeah. friend, uh, TJ Edwards, the uh, starting middle linebacker. Had oh, sweet. Yeah, I yesterday. dropped 16 so, on him yesterday. So, yeah, him and TJ grew up together. Um, Andrew actually played uh, football. He um, he was on the, in camp with the with the Browns, but was a uh, Division II Player of the Year at Winona State. Oh, um, in college, a safety. Guys got the whole and uh, yeah, I was on camp with the Browns, and then did some uh, spring league stuff around the football and stuff. And now he plays in Europe. I wish I had brought him in earlier. We could have had him this whole time. Yeah, yeah I don't. I don't think he's. Uh, I mean, he's got the attention span for an hour plus of. Uh, I just, I just flew into him. Yeah, I can't talk. Either, yeah, so. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, it's Andrew, the closest, closest guy in the bachelor. Obviously, my cousin. We'll let him go get some rest, but uh, yeah. Thank yeah. you, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, yep. That's uh, my guess. The guy was knocking on the door, so <laughs> you know we'll let it slide because it's Andrew. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned him, Joe. Who else? Uh, say Joe Blake. Um, let's see who else we got. Uh, Chris Bukowski. Um. Dustin Kendrick, I can't not say Dustin. Um, Dylan Barber, uh, yeah. Mike Johnson's a good buddy. All right, very cool. Uh, we've also we got a few more here. Uh, I think I know the answer to this, but Hannah also wanted to know, her other question was, did you enjoy the Bachelor franchise of the NFL more? I think I know the answer to this one. Yeah, NFL, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Olivia Frank wants to know, in what ways have you been able to impact people positively with the platform that you now have from being on the show and having a big social media following? Yeah, I do a lot of fitness stuff. Um, post a lot of free workout videos, and um, if people's trying to get in shape, they can follow my Instagram. I'm always posting a story or a reel or something to do with fitness to to show uh, to show how to work out and my favorite and best workouts I like to do question about you, uh, leaving the show you were injured. And I guess it's not like, you know, like on survivor, someone gets injured and maybe they carry them out of the show because of the physical, uh, issues, or maybe they do that on the challenge, but it's not a physical show on the bachelor. Um, you were injured and you're like, I, I gotta, I gotta, uh, you know, get better. I gotta try to get ready for the season. Um, was it, I guess the one thing I'm, I'm curious to know is you get on a show like the bachelorette, you're only introduced to one girl. Was it something when, when you got to know Becca and you kind of had a feeling of how things were going, were you just kind of like, okay, you know what? Probably not going to be my wife. Even if I stay on this show, did you have any kind of feeling of like that? Or were you really vibing with her, really digging her? For me, it was early, but I really felt like uh, I think it was early. But I thought that Becca was a really cool girl, and I could definitely have saw myself like starting to have more feelings for her. But I, I was I remember being upset when I left. Honestly, I was like, "Damn, I really want to see where I went with her," and I was really uh, upset about it. Clay, I know you have this. Uh, this is the last thing I have for you. In your Instagram bio, you have the following Bible verse: 2 Timothy first seven. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Why that verse? I just think that that's, uh, that's, that's great. It's always my favorite verse. It's obviously said different in different translations, but yeah, 
you know, power, love and sound mind. I think that's something that I strive to have and, you know, not of not of fear. And, and that goes a long way. So I was playing football like, you know, you don't God doesn't give you the power of fear. If you're if you're nervous or something before a game, read that verse, you know, it's like, hey, let's go. Self-discipline, sound mind, like, let's play. You know, it's just something that you can um, you can put into a lot of uh, aspects of your life, even if you don't, um, even if you don't, you know, believe in, in, in God or Bible or Christianity, I think it's something cool that you can, um, you can learn a lot from uh, verses like that. And I think it's, it's, it can help a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Uh, and for me, it was always a good a, a verse that I wanted to read before I went in the field. Hey, there's no, there's no fear. It's all, you know, power, love and sound mind, you know. Clay, how did you come to know Christ? Um, just as a, as a young guy, my grandma, my, uh, my grandma growing up in a small town, Illinois, just always would, uh, would teach us and would, uh, read to us and all that good stuff. She's a, she was a Southern woman and she would, um, she's from Arkansas, Mississippi, and she would always, uh, read us the verses and, you know, make sure that before every meal that we would have to say, great, she's a Southern, um, <laughs> like I said, Arkansas, it was just funny how she, um, she was, uh, a character, but yeah, she always made sure to uh, instill that into us. Were you in a small group Bible study with Nick Foles and some other guys in the league? Yeah, we would do that every Thursday. There was a Bible study every Thursday after class, probably be about 20 of us in there. We'd all go, we'd have a, a different pastor, preacher every uh, every Thursday would come in and, and speak to us. And um, I remember, you know, obviously Nick Foles is, um, you know, really, really big uh, Christian. And he'd be in there taking notes. Jason Avant is always a guy that was uh, was a preacher for the team. But uh, we'd have a different preacher come in and um, just lead us on, um, you know, our little Bible study every Thursday. Big group of guys would usually turn out. So that was always good. Awesome. Well, Clay, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I apologize if we ran a little long. This was a fantastic time talking. What are you working on right now that you'd like to plug? How can people follow you? What are you up to right now that you'd like to promote while you're here? Oh man, you can just follow me on um, you know Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. I'm uh, I have a my fitness class, Fitness at the Park. We're doing a class next week in um, in two weeks actually in the Sears Tower. If you're around Chicago, Ooh. just uh, follow at Fitness at the Park on Instagram, and we will be doing a Fitness in the Sky, and that's um, something cool that uh, that we got coming up. Um, but yeah, if you, uh, speaking, I have a couple events for the Illinois Principal Association. I like to do some, uh, keynote motivational speaking, um, clayharboronline.com is my, is my uh, website for that. But besides that, nothing, man. I appreciate you having me on. It was good talking to you. Yeah, it was great. God bless you, Clay. Thanks, Jack. You have a good day, boy. Well, that concludes my conversation with Clay Harbor, former NFL player, uh, nine years in the league and uh, two years on reality TV. Now he's killing it as a performance coach. Make sure you guys follow him on Instagram and Twitter. I believe he's at Clay Harbs on Instagram. Not sure what his Twitter is. I'll put that in the uh, notes for this show. Um, but yeah, it was great talking with him. A lot of good football. We've got our college football playoff coming up later this week. And so make sure you guys check in next week when we recap and talk college football playoff. I would think Andrew Stem will probably be joining me. Can't say for certain, uh, but we're going to have some more great guests here in the future as well, regardless of if Andrew shows up or not. I mean, Andrew's a great guest, but we had Brad Culpepper last week and we're going to have some more 
really great guests here in 2021. I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and remembered that Jesus is the reason for the season. I sure had a great time with my family. So make sure if you guys enjoyed the show, subscribe to the Jack Vita show on Apple Podcasts, here on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That'll do us a lot of good. And until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.